This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So there's a lot going on right now in the stock market. The large caps have been outperforming the small caps for the last few years, as we know, because I've discussed the small cap value stocks many times on the show and that they were lagging, especially small cap banks. But now we have a big correction in the major indexes, and that means that some of the large caps that were previously out of our reach um, have sold off. This could be an opportunity to get your favorite big caps on the cheap, right? Um, But are they cheap? I don't know. I decided to take a look for the dirt cheap big cap stocks because why just look for PEs under 15 when I can seek out those under 10 right now, now that we've had you know, quote unquote, the worst December ever, unquote. So I went for it. I just ran a basic screen. This only has a few components to it. And I did PE under 10. That was my only value metric that I used. Uh, Market cap over 10 billion. And I know some of you think that that's still on the small side, but historically 10 billion has been the cutoff for the large cap stocks. You could do 15, possibly even 20 if you really wanted the really bigger uh, large caps, but I'm going to keep it at 10 because I feel like this screen could already be narrow because then I added the Zach's rank on there of number one strong buys and number two buys because why not get the rising earning estimates, right? Now, I've heard from some of you wondering if it isn't harder to get the number ones and number two ranks on the large caps. And those of you who've been using the rank for a while know the little the little things that are peculiar about it. And one of those is that um, a lot of small caps get that number one or number two rank. And that's partially because the... Um, Small caps only have one or maybe two, some of them, one or two analysts covering, so they only have one or two estimates. So it's not that hard to get agreement on the estimate if you only have one that's agreeing with itself, basically. So if that analyst changes its estimate um, up or down, either way, then the Zach's rank configuration sees that as the agreement. So in the agreement category, it's a lot easier to get agreement with one or even two analysts than it is maybe with 15 to 30 analysts. Because a lot of times with that scenario, you tend to have some are raising, some are lowering. So in the Zach's rank, when it's looking at all the different components of the rank, one of them is agreement and it it doesn't see that there's a strong uh, bias one way or another when you have a ton of the analysts all doing the same thing. So it is slightly harder to get the one or two rank. That's why you do see a lot of the large caps with a lot of analyst coverage hanging out in the number three hold category a lot large part of the time. But uh, it does happen. We do get some of the large caps still uh, able to surge up into the ones and twos. I recently wrote a Bull of the Day article actually on Zax.com 
which was on Twitter. And that was a number one rank when I wrote about it in December. And now I see that it's a number two. So it's still hanging out in that one or two rank. And they have a market cap of 23 billion. So they're pretty big now. But Twitter has a PE of 35. So we didn't get it in this screen because it's still still not real value there on a PE basis, at least. So um, it didn't show up. But that's just one example of sometimes the larger caps do manage to get up into the ones and the twos. Uh, so you just kind of have to be on the lookout. But this screen that I ran with the ones and the twos, and again, the PE under 10 and the market cap over 10 billion turned out to be pretty narrow because of the rank probably and that super cheap PE because I didn't screen for under 15, I screened for under 10. So I got 22 stocks. That's not awful, but it's not quite as many as you might think. Because the ones and the twos, I think there were a little over 800 of those if I just screened for the Zach's rank here. And um, so then it, you can see that the just those other two components, the market cap and the valuation, really narrowed it down. But that's what we kind of want to see in a screen. We don't want to have to choose among hundreds of companies. And the Zach's rank in this kind of screen really will narrow it. Um, so that's that's where I find that the Zach's rank is really, really helpful in running these screens. But remember that value stocks, uh, when they are a value like this, means the street is ignoring them for some reason. Uh, they're either ignoring them or they're outright like running away. So some of our greatest hits did appear in the screen. Companies like General Motors, it's still super cheap. It still has a pretty decent Zach's rank. And um, it's still appearing in all these screens as it did throughout most of last year, I want to say. So it was already cheap before the um, 2018 stock market correction. It continues to be cheap. There's a few other names like that also in the screen. A few financials that were already cheap can still continue to be cheap. But there were a few interesting newer names that I saw that appeared that I haven't really seen before. So we're going to cover some of those on this episode. So this is exciting. And um, let's get right into it then. So the first two stocks out of this list are airline stocks. I've talked about these in the past, especially when I've covered Warren Buffett and what he's been buying because he owns, I believe he owns both of these still, but he's bought what is it now? Four, four different airline stocks, which I think is kind of crazy, but I'm going to give you two here because they're both showing up here and they're both real cheap on a PE basis. So the first one is American Airlines, ticker AAL. PE is just 5.9. They do have a 15 billion market cap. So you can see they, they are large cap. Earnings for this year, 2018, expected to be down 6.4, but you see a nice rebound in 2019. This is the Zach's rank in action here, up 22% for 2019, as those analysts have been more bullish on 2019 and been raising over there. But the shares are down 9% in the last three months. So that's where you get the cheapness and the valuation. So not down as much as you might think. Some of the, the transports, at least on the airline side, have not been hit quite as hard. And the second airline is United Continental. That ticker is UAL. They have a PE, a little more expensive here, of around eight, eight times. Market cap is a little bigger, $22 billion. Earnings expected to be up 
uh, 27% here in 2018 and another 21% in 2019. These shares are only down 1.5% in the last three months. So they've been holding up pretty good, even with this rebound rally we have to start 2019. But UAL, um, maybe investors just not jumping ship quite as quickly on that. Now, something to keep in mind with the airlines, though, remember, is fuel prices. And uh, Delta has already announced that they guessed wrong on the fuel prices and they were a little bit off on their hedging program or something and they would have saved more money uh, doing it a slightly different way. So Delta um, already pre-announced that. We haven't heard anything from these two airlines yet though. So another thing to look for with the airlines is always capacity and we've seen real struggles in the European market with some of the low-cost carriers there, Norwegian Air, which looks like it's about to be bought out, Iceland Air, Wow Airlines, also out of Iceland. They've been doing a lot of low-price routes to the United States. Those are the ones where it's like $159 one way overseas from the U.S. to Europe, and they don't include any luggage or seat assignment or food or, or maybe you get water. Maybe that's it. Um, but it's, you know, going in, that's low-cost airline, and that's what they do. And so they've been opening up in a lot of secondary markets where they've been able to get the routes, but that has been a struggle as well, apparently. And then in Europe, they have a lot of competition with the EasyJets and the Ryanairs that are already established players in the low-cost um, airline game in Europe. So capacity, an issue. Can't raise those ticket prices if there's you know five or six airlines all flying to the same airports. So it's good for the consumer, but not so good for the airlines. The big uh, let's just call them the big three plus Southwest in the United States, not having as many capacity issues that we've seen. But that is something to watch on all these conference calls because that's the the fear of the analysts always on the airlines. Okay, so that's just my cautionary tale on the airlines, but they are cheap right now. Something to keep on your watch list. Switching over to an interesting media company that we haven't talked about before, and it is Discovery. D-I-S-C-A is the ticker. So a little bit longer, five ticker, five uh, letter ticker, D-I-S-C-A. PE is just 7.6. They have a market cap of 20 billion. Now they own the Discovery Channel, as you might imagine, because they're Discovery. But they also own HGTV, one of my favorites, Food Network, also a favorite, TLC, Travel Channel, Animal Planet, gotta love that one, Science Channel, and the Oprah Winfrey Network own. So a lot going on here on the cable side. Um, you may say, oh, cable's dying, nobody cares, but some of these channels, very popular. So taking a look at these shares, they're down um, almost 18% over the last three months, but the shares have bounced off the lows with this rebound that we're getting. Supposed to grow earnings by 61% in 2019. So you can see why the rank is there because the analysts are really liking something going into next year. Uh, they don't pay a dividend, but you are getting them on the cheap here. Again, just 7.6 times next year's earnings for Discovery. So if you're looking for a media company, you don't want to pay the Netflix and those kinds of valuations, then this might be kind of a hidden one to check out. Now, switching over 
to um, the healthcare side, we have talked about this company in the past, but something has changed here. So CVS, ticker CVS, they're not just the drugstore or pharmaceutical um, store anymore. They now own Aetna. PE is just nine. They have a market cap of $88 billion now. They do pay a dividend and it's yielding 3.1%. So that's pretty juicy because these shares are very cheap right now. Now, once they have this acquisition in and the analysts see how it turns out, it's going to mess around with the Zach's rank, I feel. Um, right now, 2018 earnings up 19%, and then we get another 8% in 2019. But um, we'll see how, again, that plays out now that the integration is happening. These shares are down 14% in the last three months, so getting it on even the cheaper. I really like it for the Aetna side. I used to own Aetna in the value investor portfolio I run here at Zacks, and we owned it for, I want to say, at least three years big believer in the managed healthcare sector. And I just got my flu shot um, at the Walgreens, actually, not at the CVS. Um, that's something the CVS will have to work on. But Walgreens here in Chicago now uh, offers some uh, in-house clinics in some of its bigger stores that's run, I believe, by an outside party. But imagine CVS running the Aetna type of clinics right in some of its stores. And that could be huge. Um, this was during the holiday season. I saw these people with the flu, like waiting out in front of the clinic at one of the Walgreens here in Chicago, unfortunate for them. Um, but that is like one-stop shopping. You just, you have the pharmacy right there. Then you have the clinic with like nurse practitioners or whoever's in the clinics doing the basics. Um, and then Walgreens, the pharmaceutical or the pharmacy side actually gave me the flu shots. So CVS also offers the flu shots as well. But um, this is the synergies everybody's talking about now that they've acquired Aetna. So we'll see. But super cheap right now might be worth a look. And then we have a new name on the um, list here. I had to do it, even though they just went IPO again. They just went public for the first time in five years. Dell Technologies. Yes, Dell is back. Remember them from the 90s. Ticker is Dell, D-E-L-L, -L, still um, helmed by Michael Dell, the original founder. He's still leading them. And they've come back after being private and getting kind of their act together and what kind of the business they're going to be. Many people remember owning Dell in the 90s, the Dell millionaires that were created in the 90s. Not saying the same thing is going to happen here because it is a very different company now. But they specialize in IT infrastructure, according to the website. And then the, they have that kind of crazy um, description that a lot of tech companies have. Um, they talk about being from the core to the cloud, uh, but many of you know Dell from still owning their computers, both in the office and the business. I'm looking at some Dell monitors right here at Saks, and then also through the laptops. And I do have to confess, I'm one of the big fans of the Dell laptops, you know, for at home use. I've had them since both the desktops and then the laptops since like 1990 or 91, maybe it was. And um, some of them have lasted forever with real good quality, but um, that's maybe a bad thing because I'm not upgrading as much as I should. But uh, Dell back on the market. So let's take a look. The PE right now is 7.1, but there's not a lot of analyst estimates in there because they just recently came back on. Um, PEG is 0.6 so far. Earnings growth is pretty muted, as you might 
think with this type of company on the hardware side. So earnings growth of 6.5% in 2019 and then another 56 in 2020. Does have a market cap of almost $34 billion, so it's pretty big here. Um, the shares have come down since their initial IPO, it looks like. People kind of excited that they could get it again and then they've traded down. So maybe this is a buying opportunity here in Dell. Um, this kind of reminds me of Hewlett Packard when that one split up into two companies. People thought, oh, that's kind of boring and who wants that anymore? And that's kind of why it split too. It did split its, its kind of more boring hardware into a separate entity from its other businesses. But surprisingly, some of the those stocks, the Hewlett Packard stocks in general, have done pretty well since that spinoff. So um, Dell, Dell back on the scene. So as you can see, there's kind of quite a mix here of the big cap stocks that are cheap. We're in a whole bunch of different industries other than the two airlines taking up a little bit of space, but a um, lot going on in various areas on the cheap. And you can um, continue to see that not everything's expensive and this correction has brought some shares that were probably cheap already to begin with. Let's be honest. We're not getting the Twitter is not in here yet, but those names um, aren't quite coming down into value territory yet for the most part. But these other ones are and they were cheap before and people are running away from them even more so <laughs> in the correction. And so you have to kind of wonder like what's going on there and maybe you should take another look. So let's recap those tickers again in case you missed any of them. We had American Airlines, that's AAL, United Airlines, UAL, Discovery, D-I-S-C-A on the media side, CVS, which now owns Aetna, CVS is the ticker, and then Dell Technologies back on the scene, value stock for now, D-E-L-L is the ticker there. So lots going on in the stock market and with value in general. We'll see how this develops in the month of January. We're getting a little bit of rebound here. So um, while things are cheap, not quite as cheap as they used to be, but still, still a lot of value and bargains out there. And I'll be searching them out all year long. So you don't want to miss a single episode. Get us on Spotify. If you're on Spotify, you can subscribe to us as a standalone show, Value and Investor Podcast on Spotify. I know a lot of you are over there on it because I've seen the numbers. So it's growing every week as we add new audience members on Spotify, and that's fantastic. And then you can also get us on Apple Podcasts as a standalone. We are under Value Investor Podcast there as well. And then you can get the two for one as always on SoundCloud under the Zach's Market Edge. But any way you get us, be sure to subscribe because there'll be a lot going on in 2019 and you don't want to miss a single thing. So I'll see you again next week with some more value stacks.